notorious just Please us with your lyrical thesis We just chillin', milk em, top billin', silkin', pure linen, me and Welcome to The Exchange. It's your boy Vince. On this week's pod, we talk about LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman. We also did a player profile on TCU's Desmond Bain. I really love that kid's game. And I think you're going to really enjoy the comp that Coach T gave him. Now, this is a two-part episode where... The first part, we do some draft and some trade rumors. In the second part of the episode, that's going to be the part two, that will focus more in on more trade rumors. But we got into a really good discussion about the G League. And it just took us on a tangent, and I couldn't cut it out because it was just too good. We also, on the first part, talk about how AAU has changed the game and the old school center might actually be a dinosaur just on how AAU is coaching the big men of today. All that and also Coach T and I reminisce about our PS3, PS4 days, our Xbox days where we were real, real nice on the sticks but God has other plans for us now, and he has us doing the pod. So with all that said, sit back and enjoy part one of the pod. The notorious just please us with your lyrical thesis. We just chillin', milk em, top billin', silkin', pure linen, All right, we're back. QP Sports Exchange back on the air. It's your boy Vince. Coach T is with us again, and we're gonna talk about some who. But the first thing we're gonna bring in Coach T, Milton Elite, and see how his week went. Coach T, how was your week? Busy, busy week, man. Y'all know I say it all the time, but this week was even busier if I can uh, kind of give you a you know a peek into the Milton household a lot going on a lot of blessings though man God's blessing us we just gotta do continue to do what he, he wants us to do man so um yeah man it's, it's been a fruitful week for sure no doubt good week here at Casa Day Carter we um we talked to the parenting coach got some tools I know you ready so I'm gonna hit you with a couple things right off the bat. One, we promised the fans, the listeners, that we would have a scouting report on Desmond Bang because I like that dude and I want him to be a Laker, but I'm thinking I might be talking him up all the way up to like number 20 in the draft, which I didn't want to do, but he gonna make more money off of it. So let's help him out with that. So, Coach T, what did you find out when you cracked open the tapes and saw this dude's game? Yeah, first, first off, man, shout out to Desmond Bain. Uh, you know, before you actually told me about him, he wasn't really on my radar. 
but because, you know, I don't get to see a lot of TCU basketball. That's the main reason I'm in, you know, ACC country. So I see, I, I watch a ton of ACC games. So it was pretty cool to uh, get that homework assignment, man. And you know me, I'm all, I love it. So I dug into the tape pretty hard, man. And I just looked at him, man, just his scouting report. First and foremost, his ability to shoot the rock is going to land him a job in the league. Shooting, shooting it at a high clip. I think it was like 44% from three this past year or something like that, 44, 45%, which is amazing, you know? And, and a lot of those threes were deep. They weren't like college threes. Those were legit um, NBA threes that he were taking. One of the things I kind of noticed about him, so so we'll talk about the pros and the cons, right? His ability to shoot it is probably his his number one. I think that's the thing that, that a lot of NBA teams will, will will salivate over because you need shooting. We talked about that before before the uh, before we got into this episode. That just how shooting has just changed the landscape of, of of NBA basketball, position to position to position. It doesn't matter. So I think that that alone to me was his best trait that stood out to me his best skill but also I noticed that he could pass the ball very well so like looking at a couple of different highlights you know you you try to get away from those highlight tapes that are just showing all his made shots I, I, I found a really cool video on YouTube and I can't remember who who made the video I would love to shout the person out but it broke down his pros and his cons and like when I looked at the cons they're not necessarily like bashing him it's just like okay these are the areas he can get better at. But I noticed passing was one of those areas, but the passes I saw him make, they were really, really good passes. Like off the pick and roll, he was identifying the roller and using the roller as kind of like a um, like a decoy to really pass it to a, whole, a, a different guy. So um, I noticed some things like when it comes to passing with him that was really, really good. I think personally that he could fit well in a system, you know, like you say, you would love to have him in L.A., the, the current KCP role, right? KCP. That's the role that I see a guy like that in because he's going to be able to make that corner three. He's not super athletic. He's not super explosive, but he's not going to need that. You know what I mean? He, he needs to be able to, to make shots. But the one thing I noticed about him too, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen this before. I'm sure it's happened, but he's six, six, but he has a negative wingspan. So that's the one thing I was like, how does that work? Like, so he's six, six with a six, four wingspan. But I mean, you can't help the arms the guy gave you, but he'll, you know, he'll need to get past that kind of, you know, I don't know, the NBA scouts attack him as having a short wingspan. But look, if you can shoot the rock, who cares about your wingspan? You get what I'm saying? Like he'll, he's found a way to get it done at TCU at a high level. He averaged 16 and a half points a game, shot the ball 45% from three. Like he's a hooper, man. He can hoop, man. So, so yeah, I, I definitely like his game. Uh, a lot of people have been projected going like late first round, early second. But here's an interesting thing. Desmond, I like you, bro. Like, I like your game, bro. But you it, it, look, you may come here and knock our socks off. You know what I'm saying? But if if you had, if you had, you know, the choice to go to a team that could really, really use your skill set and, and you'll be able to win some games early in your career, Charlotte's not the place. <laughs> Charlotte's not the place. But yeah, I love his game, though, man. I was, he definitely caught me by surprise when I looked at the tape. Well, I'm looking at uh, this is what I love to do. And by the way, taking people behind the, the screen a little bit, I'm over here looking at a mock draft right now. And they have Desmond Bain going 
30th to the Celtics. That makes a lot of sense. I would never want it to happen. Sorry, Beantown. You know that I love you and I roll with you with everybody else. But you know I cannot roll with the Shamrock. Can't do it. Laker fan till I die. So they have him going to, to the Celtics, and that would make a lot of sense because he's their type of player. When I saw him, I, I just thought he was pretty cerebral. He seemed very just competent in the offense. It 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 didn't look forced. None of his games looked super like I'm just gonna jack up about 30 shots and we'll see what happens. Right? It was like I can work in the in the construct of the offense and just keep it moving. And that's what really kind of I looked at him and I was like, yeah. That's the type of kid that could come in and work real well with AD and LeBron. So a professional outfit like the Celtics makes a ton of sense. If he does slide into the second round, yeah, I mean, the Hornets, it makes all the sense in the world to pick up a guy who is like 22, you know, to put him on your team and then develop him. And then he's like 25, 26. Charlotte, what are you thinking? Get you got to get kids. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I, no offense to Desmond because I, I love his game. That's why I had Coach D do his his player profile. But if you're Charlotte, you have to go young, right? Yeah, yeah. You would think you would think they would have to swing for the fence. And uh, you know, I've been waiting on the day and having my fingers crossed that that's even a thing anymore. Uh, just kind of hoping that they. Just take a swing for the fence, man. Let's let's go for the home run. What do we have to lose? But like Desmond Bain to me is is a catch and shoot guy. That's what I see him as. And I, again, I may be wrong. So the comparison that they, you know that I seen being thrown out there, um, Desmond Bain, it was Malcolm Brogdon. And when you look at Malcolm Brogdon in college, he didn't blow you away. And like we played Virginia, and those Virginia teams that he played on were really good. And uh, he just didn't strike me as an over, overly athletic guy. I didn't even think that he shot the ball well. I just think he was a good college player. And you, you've seen the good college players, the Tyler Hansboroughs, the, you know, there, there's been a ton of them, just to name a few. I, of course, I had to give a Carolina guy as an example. Oh, but <laughs> like seven minutes into the five. <laughs> right, right, right. But, you know, just that guy that just, I mean, he exceeds all expectations in college, but then you almost, right, he, he reaches his ceiling in college, I think. At least that's what we think as fans. But then they get to the NBA and you're like, ah, this guy ain't going to be nothing in the league. You know what I'm saying? But then they get in the right situation and all of a sudden, like Malcolm Brogdon was, he was rookie of the year. He was a highly sought after player. And I mean, he's been doing pretty good, you know, for a guy that wasn't uh, projected to be much of anything coming into the NBA. Yeah, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon game is so sweet because the one thing that I really love about him and, and, and it's it's the profile, right? He is exactly what I just said. He fits into the construct of the offense. I don't have to jack up 30 shots. I don't have to just be a facilitator. I can get my shot, pass it to the right man, pass it to the open man, get excellent looks. And he's big enough where, yeah, he might not 
kill you with foot quickness, but he will angle you in such a way where you're not just you're not just blowing by that guy on a regular basis unless you're one of the elite, elite guards in this league. Because he just won't let you. He won't let the angle get to that point. And that makes me really high on Desmond Bain. If that's the comp, is Malcolm Brogdon. Lakers, please get him. <laughs> like, please get him, like, today. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. I um, Wow. Yeah. I mean, Desmond Bain, again, number one, shout out to TCU. Because you, 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 when you get caught up in seeing, like, some of the same colleges all the time play, whether that's football or basketball or whatever, you kind of forget about certain schools and, and how they can, you know, go overlooked. But this is a message to every uh, high school athlete right now. It doesn't matter what school you're at. It does not matter. Like, if you can hoop, you know what I'm saying, and you check off the boxes, the professional ranks are going to want you, and they're going to find you. So, shouts out to Desmond Bain for going to TCU and getting out there and really, you know, letting it be known that, look, I can play. It, 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 you know, it doesn't matter that I didn't go to, you know, your definition of a, of a top school. Um, but he went out there and he did his thing. He was consistent. And, you know, one thing about consistency, especially when it comes to basketball, in today's game, in 2020 going to 2021, he showed that he can shoot the rock. You know what I'm saying? And I don't care. It's a lot of players, potential like draft picks right now, that don't have that. They don't. They didn't check that box off. You know what I'm saying? He checked that off because he shot the ball, shot the ball very consistently. So I think that's going to work very well for him. And I hate to kind of sound like a record on repeat, but that's the thing that I think is going to get him in the door and get him on the floor. You know, for NBA NBA roster. Well, Coach T, that's the thing about it is right. This dude is probably going to go late first round, early second round. Right? He'll probably end up on either one of our teams. I mean, that's a good kind of barometer of where he's going to go, right? Late, late first round or kind of five, six picks into the second. Somewhere in there, right? The two dudes at the top of the draft, Anthony Edwards and Lonzo Ball, they have not checked that box. Lonzo, uh, uh, Lamelo, I'm sorry, Lamelo Ball has not checked that box. His range is great, but there's still talk of fixing his shot and also shot selection is a key point of emphasis that he needs to work on that scouts are saying. He cannot just start sure. 50 shots, 50 foot shots at the start of your career player. You can't yeah. be Steph Curry as soon as you step onto the court. Nah, you can't go with the Trey Young boy or the, or, the, or the Steph Curry. You know what I mean? You can't do that unless you can really show proof that you're supposed to be doing that. And it's, all that's going to do, especially if you got one of these old school coaches as your, as your coach. You know what I'm saying? You mess around and get you a um, Coach Clifford, who used to clo- coach here in, um, you know, in Charlotte. He's, he's back. I think he's in Orlando now. But yeah. he's an old school coach, man. Like he, you know, we would talk about all the time here in Charlotte how we felt like Coach Cliff would not let the young players play. Like he just wouldn't let them play. But I think a part of him, you know, a part of his coaching is just he's just stuck in the old school way. They, they're they not going to let a young player come in here and do what he wants to do. You get what I'm saying? Like, you got to show proof before I let you get out there and do your thing. And I think if Melo thinks he's going to get in the league and just be, like you say, jacking it up without showing proof that you, number one, shoot it from a high percentage. Like, Trey Young, we knew 
he shot the three at a high percentage. And it's always been that way. Like that was the thing coming up in high school to, to, you know, over at Oklahoma to, and he showed it in the league, you know? And, you know, so if he pulls up, you know, a couple steps inside a half court, we're like, all right, that's Trey Young. You know what I'm saying? He got that. You know what I mean? He probably going to make that. But Melo, I don't, I don't think I'm there yet, but I think his, his deal is his potential. Like to be that tall and long at the point guard position, I don't think we've seen a point guard that long with that much potential. And, I, and I'm not going to compare him to Livingston, but when Livingston came out, you know, coming into the NBA, you know, we looked at Sean Livingston as, you know, he's long, he's a six, seven point guard. You know what I'm saying? Like he has the potential to be something great, but of course Livingston just, you know, he topped out at being really a role player, you know what I'm saying? And it won him a couple of championships or at least one, I think, right. With Golden State. But I think, and uh, and he yeah. had a, um, he had a devastating knee injury. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what derailed his career. He was going to be that guy. He had a really devastating kind of Paul George esque type injury before the, you know, the medical technology caught up and it was a true testament to him on how he literally reinvented himself and became a glue guy and somebody very important to a championship run in the Bay Area at Golden State. So, shouts out to to my boy who was was a Clipper, turned into a Warrior, but yeah, Livingston was was that dude. He literally. If he doesn't have the injury coach T, I believe that we would have seen something similar to Penny Hardaway. I think it would have been that. And I'm talking about Penny before the knee injury as well. I'm talking about legit Penny. Wow, yeah, that's that's big. I know, I know he had the hype coming out. And like you say, that those injuries, especially we're talking, you know, years and years ago, and and the you know, everything that we have available now. When, when a player gets hurt, just wasn't available then. So, but what I did notice about Sean Livingston and maybe LaMelo La Ball can use this in his game from day one was just the ability to use your length to get in the post against smaller guards. Because you're going to go against smaller guards. Every guard in the NBA point guard is not 6'7". They're not 6'7". And he's yeah. growing. I mean, I mean, I don't know. He's night what, 19? The kid's like, 19. Like, so like, he's barely 19. Yeah, so he may not even be done growing yet, but you got to take advantage of that part of your game. Like, that's the thing. If I was him, I would be working on first. My legit post, because because I, I got to make these guys feel that I'm 6'7", when I'm being defended by a 6'3 guard, a 6'4 guard. Like, I got to develop that. And that's what Livingston had down packed. Like, when he came off the bench, he would go to that little post, you know what I'm saying, and get that, that fadeaway, post up the guard, you know, get to the bucket. Like, you got to take advantage of that height and that length. So I'm, I'm interested to see what direction um, LaMelo Ball takes. But like you say, it's, it's shot selection and things like that we're concerned about. But if he takes advantage of his height and really kind of keys in on the things that he already has, then, you know, we could see a guy that could, could end up being really, really good really fast. Okay, to Coach T, I'm going to say something truly blasphemous right now. I honestly believe that – LaMelo Ball shouldn't go first, not because he's not talented enough. I really want him in the right system. So selfishly, I want some, I want some like LaVar Ball news to come out like very shortly and kind of submarines him. Now you, I know what you're thinking. 
I know you're thinking, like, he's going to say the Lakers. No, 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 no. I really want him to go. I can't believe I'm saying this. I really want him to go to the Knicks. And let me tell you why. See, if he goes to Minnesota, he's already third on the total pole with D'Angelo Russell and uh, Carl Anthony Towns, right? If he goes to Golden State, now he just has to fit in. Wherever he can fit in, that's where he's going to have to be. I mean, it would be devastating to have Clay Thompson, LaMelo Ball, and Steph Curry. But I understand that what LaMelo Ball will be in two years is probably what they need now to make that championship run. So I'm kind of, I know that that's probably not the case, right? So if you think about it, where he could go and like, you be on the big stage, no doubt, right? New York, bright lights, big city, whole deal. And you could do, you could really develop your game because the Knicks fans, they would be patient for him, I think. He would be able to handle the spotlight and they would be patient with him. And he would be their, this generation's Pat Ewing for them, where hope has come. Right. Wow. I honestly believe that a lot of stuff happens in the NBA and a lot of it is fit. And I think that if he somehow, if he gets drafted in like the first four or five picks, yeah, I'm not saying he won't work out. That's not what I'm saying. I, I really root for him. But I just wonder if he was on a team. And we've said time and time again on this podcast, so you guys delve into the archives, QP Sports Exchange. Yo, we're doing it real big. We always say let Russ cook, right? Let LaMelo cook. Let him cook. You got him, right? Let him cook. Do Let him do all the crazy stuff that you need to do. But the one thing that he's going to do, he's going to refine and get better. I think he has a chance to be an absolute star. I just don't want him to be stifled underneath, like, a couple other, like, young up-and-coming stars who's still looking to get their shine or be on a team that has championship aspirations so the 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 actual system would be too rigid for what he's going to have to do to develop his game because you're going to have some hard days with him you know talk, talking about you're going to have some days where he shoots five for 22 you know there's going to be days like that but I really believe that New York will be the spot where he could do all that and then they can continue to build young talent around him. And then let's see what they do in the next, you know, in three years. So Gotham, we've been real hard on you on this podcast. So that's a little gift from your uncle Vince that I actually believe that LaMelo Ball should be a New York Knicks. Yo, you know, when you get that Christmas present and, you know, the little tag on it says from such and such, such and such. All right, New York, this gift is going to be from Vince and Coach T. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I'm chipping in on that gift. And the reason I'm saying that, Vince, you're really working on something there. Like when you think about it, everything in life prepares you for another situation. Right. I, I truly believe that God puts us around people um, to, to not only protect us, but to help us grow. Right. So. You know, and, and I'm, a, I'm a living example of that because I've, I've been placed in situations that protected me from where I would have been and where I would have ended up at. Right. So but it ultimately 
helped me meet people that put me in different situations, right? To be successful. So what I'm getting at here, and I want you guys to follow me, like his dad is his dad. He can't like, like he can't change that. But all of that stuff that, that has surrounded him since he was at Chino Hills has really prepared him to go into a city like New York where the athletes, the politicians, the famous people are just constantly surrounded and bombarded with just expectations and just attention. And it's just nonstop. It's not like if you get drafted and go to Orlando Magic where, you know, you may not be on the news, you know, 24 seven, but if you're in New York city, you will be. But because his dad has literally, before he even became a professional athlete overseas, his dad was in the news every day. He was on sports center. He was talking about how he can beat Michael Jordan one-on-one. It was nonstop attention. Then you had big baller brand and it, it was just a lot, you know what I'm saying? So I, I think that he's mentally probably prepared for a city like New York you know, to be able to let that stuff kind of just roll off his sleeve and be able to still get out there and play ball. You know, um, I think that that situation, just everything that surrounded him for the last like four years or five years has prepared him to land in a place like New York. So I think that will work out well because everybody can't handle New York. Everybody can't. You put the right, you put the wrong player there. Even if that guy has potential mentally, he may not be able to deal with it and you'll never see the potential in that player on the basketball court because of the city so i think that could really work like vince that's that's awesome man y'all need to make sure y'all uh when you listen to this podcast man y'all y'all heard it here first mellow to the knicks it could be you know something that's gonna be um like i say an early christmas gift man it could set you guys up for the future for real for real because honestly low-key they had a couple of good young players last year to play really well on the knicks so they just haven't oh, yeah. shown in the win-loss record, of course. Oh, yeah. See, that's that was my whole deal, right? You have LaMelo Ball and R.J. Barrett on the same squad. Now, hey, maybe you take a bad contract from Minnesota and you give up the eighth pick and maybe something else. Like, if you gave up Mitchell Robinson the eighth pick, and took a bad contract back from Minnesota. Something that they want to get out from underneath, right? And then, obviously, you put something in that's going to make the money work because, obviously, um, Mitchell Robinson wouldn't make enough money to take a bad contract back. That might be enough to get it because are they sold in Minnesota on Carl Anthony Towns playing the center? Or is it some of his um, petulance that he's shown over the last couple of years is that he wants to be like AD, right, and be a four. Because I wonder if anybody's really sat down with Carl Anthony Towns and said, okay, bro, what do you want? I see all this talent. You're, you're phenomenal. You're skilled. You're big. You can bang. You can shoot. You can pass. You know, you just not you're, – you're not um, – committed on the defensive end, and what can we do to bring that out of you, right? You don't always make the winning play, and is it that you don't trust your teammates or you trust your skill? Like, somebody needs to sit down and talk with him and and see, get extract every last piece of talent out of him. Because it's either in the next two years we're going to find out that 
Paul Anthony Towns is Kevin Love. And I no disrespect to Kevin Love because Kevin Love on a team where he's the third star and they're on a championship run or whatever, that would be ideal. But I'm talking about Kevin Love in Minnesota, where a lot of points, a lot of rebounds, a lot of losses. Or are you kind of like the new and improved KG, where you're getting the playoff basketball, and then you take a Celtics team and galvanize and, uh, you know, build your legacy that way? I mean, the truth is going to have to be told in the next couple of years with him because I just don't understand the talent and and not be fruitful. I'm just really having a hard time with the talent that I clearly see in Carl Anthony Towns and the lack of, I guess, wins. So I'm just really having a hard time. I was, You know me, Coach. I have to talk through it. I have to talk through it, try to figure it out. But I'm really trying to have a, a real conversation about that. Like, is this dude ever going to reach his potential? Yeah, that's that's tough. Like, he has the talent. It's it's clear. It's clear as day. Like, if you're a hoop fan and you watch Carl Anthony Towns, even even at um, you know, Kentucky, he has the talent. But when you like when you made that comparison to Kevin Love, like it really, you know, the light bulb went off over here. I'm like, what do they have in common? I think it's their demeanor. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're really – when you look at Kevin Love, especially when he was in Minnesota, he just kind of went about his business. Like, it's hard It's hard for me to question a player's heart. You get what I'm saying? Because I don't know them as a man. And we, we're just fans and we watch the game. But you had Jimmy Butler there, right? You had a guy that would probably made you feel uncomfortable, I'm pretty sure. But we know we grow – by being uncomfortable, right? You know what I'm saying? We grow, and that's the way life works, but he didn't want that. Apparently, it was, you know, he was a cancer. He was tagged as a cancer. So, I mean, what do you really want? Because I would say he could go play in another year or so once Minnesota finally just, you know, decides to move on from him and tries to trade him or whatever happens. Like, he's going to have to play with a guy that's going to be on his neck. You get what I'm saying? At the same time, help uplift him and make him better Anthony Davis, I don't think we ever questioned his heart. You know what I'm saying? When he was in New Orleans, he he could hoop. Like, we knew he could hoop. He just – we knew the Pelicans just weren't ever going to be anything better than what they were. You know what I mean? The best run they had was when they had Rondo, and they I think they, you know, won a couple games in the playoffs or something. But we knew no, it was going to take Anthony Davis out. going somewhere. Yeah. They took out Portland. Yeah, that's yeah. That was – that's when I knew, okay, like – I didn't understand what was going on in the sense of because it was so outside of Anthony Davis' character to say, I want out, right? He was just such a quiet guy or whatever. But when they won that series, and I was like, oh, okay. So this dude is screaming for talent. So, okay, I see you, right? It was kind of the same thing for us this year, right, Coach, with, with Denver. We didn't – we weren't going, oh, yeah, that's that's a team to be super scared of. But as you continue to watch them play, as you continue to watch Jamal Murray just get buckets and, and Jokic get buckets and get rebounds and, and get assists and just, you know, silver platter assists at the rim to cutters 
By the way, Jeremy Grant should give Jokic about six million of that bag that he's about to get. Because that dude's about to make about $18 million a year, coach. He's about to make $18 million a year thanks to Jokic and all the shooters that Denver had. So there better be something real nice under the tree for um, Jokic. And it should read, the president should read, thank you so much, Joker, for this bag that I received. I only can hope that this present that I've gotten you can show you how much I appreciate you. I would say he opens it up and it's one of those Rolexes, but now nah, you got to do better than that, bro. You got to do better than that. It's one of those, um, what's what's the watch that costs like a million dollars that all these guys got like Floyd Mayweather and uh, oh, all man. these guys have. It's uh, a not balling like that. Nah, man, I looked it up, man. I was literally showing it to my dad and I was like, dad, it's a, it's a watch that costs one million. Like it costs a million for you to get the watch. I'm going to have to look it up. I'm going to come back to that one, man. But I yeah. would hope it would be one of those inside the box. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It yeah. costs a million dollars just for one watch. Mayweather apparently has multiple. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he, he he's like that. What's the car? Ashton Martin, right? It's sitting out in the in the garage area for my boy, Jokic. Well, he's tall, right? He needs a, he probably needs like a, um like a Mercedes Jeep type deal, right? Something like that but all decked out. But he need to get him something real, real nice. His Richard, Richard Milley. A Richard Milley. That's the name oh, of it. Okay. Richard Milley. I'm, I'm looking at these joints right now, man. It's absolutely crazy, man. Like like almost 1.1 million for a Richard Milley. Just one watch, by the way. That's a tax bracket that I have not seen. Uh, I'm not saying that I would not want to see it. So God, you know, I give you all the glory and I don't put my I don't put my my God in a box. So if you see it fit for me to have, because it's your will, not mine, I'll go ahead and um, I will definitely humbly take that bag so I can get me a watch that costs one point one million dollars. Yeah. So man, yeah, Grant definitely uh, like we were talking talking about earlier, taking advantage of your opportunities, and, and we were kind of talking about a different situation. But but Grant, he definitely took advantage of his situation in Denver and look, make shots defend. And I think we saw that from him and my brother, shout out my brother, man. Uh, at little hot tub on Instagram, by the way. Yeah. I said that right. At little hot tub, man. That's what he goes by. He does music, but he's been an OKC fan like forever. Even back when they were the Seattle supersonics, like he's been there. He, he's a real deal fan. And he would tell me about Grant. Like, yeah, that's my boy, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then when he left, he was like, man, I hate he left. You know, I'm like, Grant, like, who is that? What? And then, I, you know, of course, he has the bloodline in him, right? Is that like Horace Grant's, like, nephew or something like that? Yeah, that's Harvey Grant's son. That's yeah. Harvey who played in the league. And Harvey was nice, yo. He he was, listen, I understand they all shoot it. He was doing it back in the day. Okay? I'm just saying. Horace Grant, brother Harvey Grant, it was like the Morris twins. They had really good careers. Some had better than others. Like, obviously, um, Markeith is ahead of Marcus right now because he got the championship. Sorry to you, Marcus. And if you want to join the Lakers, we got room for you too. 
Y'all can bunk together, all that whole, whole joint, whatever that twin magic situation y'all got going on, you can bring it to the Lakers. But yeah, Grant is going to make a lot of money on that playoff run. And that leads me to my next thing, coach. And I have a real poignant question. talk about it but here's my question are we done with the big man or can the big man thrive now and does AAU play a part in our lack of centers now wow yeah that, that's a that's interesting that is a very interesting question and yeah man I'm excited to really kind of dig into that to, to be real Okay, so can the center make a return? The traditional back-to-the-basket center? I think the answer to that is yes. The only way that happens is if across the league we see one or two teams start to be dominant with the back-to-the-basket type guy in their lineup. Um, and I mean really dominant. I don't mean like win a bunch of regular season games, but I mean push for a title with a guy like that in your offense because then it forces all the rest of the teams in the NBA to adjust the same way they had to adjust to golden state and all the shooting. They will have to adjust to the big man because right now, everybody, you know, especially when golden state first started, we were leaning on small ball. You know, you kind of had to, you know, play the chess match with putting different lineups and personnel groupings out there on the floor to try to match golden state and their shooting. So it made everybody else catch up. So I think it can happen, but, we have to see proof first. Um, we have to see proof, right? Right. And by the way, when I talk about big man, I'm not talking about, um, I'm not talking about the James Donaldsons of the world. Okay. By the way, the young people, you don't know who that is. Trust me, YouTube it. I'm not talking about the Kevin Dugworths of the world. I'm not talking about the, the Bob Lanier's of the world or whatever case may be. And no, no offense to those guys because they played in the league a long time. The guy that I thought of, there was two, okay? Now, one, we'll probably never see again, and that was like Akeem Olajuwon. But the other guy that I thought that a lot of guys now could be, Coach T, and you tell me if it's possible at the AAU level, okay? But this is a guy who I thought could thrive in today's basketball, Kevin McHale. Okay. Uh, all right. So just to kind of answer the second part of the question um, that you asked originally, like, does AU have a, have anything to do with that? Of course it has everything to do with it. You know, our jobs as coaches is to really prepare these kids for, for not only, you know, their future in basketball, but life. Right. So I, I like to just say life because everybody's not going to make it. But when we're talking about preparing them for the future as a basketball player, I train guards. I don't care if you walk in my gym and you're 6'10". I'm training you as a guard. And I'm not the only coach that does that because if you pay attention to AAU basketball throughout the summer, you see uh, 
you know, these six eleven, seven foot guys that that are just they can handle the rock and they can shoot the rock. Guess who they're trying to be like? Kevin Durant. You get what I'm saying? You know, that's you know, that's the player that people are trying to be like. They're like, if I can be 6'10 or 6'9 or seven feet, and I'm able to handle the rock like a guard, shoot the ball like a guard, 40% from three, you know what I'm saying? I make free throws. I'm a 90% free throw shooter. Like, guess what? I'm going to be a superstar. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So we're really training these kids to have guard skills because we're, we're not doctors. We, we we can't see the future. We're not God. We don't know if this kid who's 5'10 is going to end up being 6'11. But guess what we have to do? We have to train him to be able to handle the rock, pick and roll, dish the rock, you do defend, do everything that a point guard is supposed to do. And if he grows, guess what? That's just an added bonus to, you know, to his height. So AU definitely has something to do with that. I see some of the best trainers in the world um, just, just training big man on how to make guard moves, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to guard a guy like that. So, yeah, to answer that question, that's definitely a yes when it comes to AAU. But the second part um, or, or the question that you just asked when you were talking about, you know, do any of these guys have the potential to be a Kevin uh, McHale type player and, and will a Kevin McHale type center uh, change the landscape of the league? Is that what you're, you're asking? Like, will, will it take a player like that? Um, yeah. Cause I mean, I know the day of like the seven foot two, 300 or like 280 pounds, I'm not going to even go shack size. I'm talking about somebody seven feet, 270, you know, the, you know, he stands in the, you know, key and I'm not talking about that guy, but Kevin Kell to me seemed like a guy that a lot of people could be right. He's 6'11 with like a seven foot four wingspan. I think when he was fully, you know, developed, I think he was somewhere around like 242 pounds, somewhere in there, you know, he wasn't super huge, but he was able to defend but he was so nasty on the post. He was stupid on the post. And by the way, young people, please go to YouTube, Kevin McHale, and just put low post moves and watch him dance on people. It was beautiful to watch, but it was also sick because he was killing people. He was absolutely killing people. Yeah, I think a player like that could work. But when I think, like, of course, Mikhail had moves, but he also could make the mid-range, right? So, man, you know, I want to say yes, it could work. But then I started to think about a player like, and I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that Anthony Davis and Mikhail are the same type player because A.D., does he's just a completely different player but if you're going to be 610 and you can make a mid-range and you have moves and stuff like that i think that in today's game you're also going to have to be able to shoot the three you're going to have to be an efficient three-point shooter too so now you're you're not really an old school big man anymore you're a 2020 2021 big man so i don't know i don't know i don't know if if, Ke- if a kevin McHale guy could work he could be a part of a really good team, but I don't think that he, that type of player would change the landscape of the NBA right now, mm-hmm. just because it's all about stretching the floor. Like if you're a four 
And today's NBA, it's hard to say what a 6'10 player is nowadays, right? It's positionless basketball is what we're watching. So you got a 6'10 point guard in Philadelphia. You know what I'm saying? Then you got, you know, another 6'10 guy that can shoot threes at a high clip. So it's like, what does 6'10 get you in the NBA? We really don't know, but it gets you you three-point shots where dudes are running at you and you don't even see them because you're 6'10 and you already rose up. That's what you're seeing. Yeah, yeah, so – yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know if that could work. So so I'm uh I'm gonna sell that idea. Like if I was if you know if I had to sell it, I, I would sell that one, but I would buy the idea of a traditional back to back back to the basket, excuse me, um big man making a return to today's game because it just takes a couple teams like showing proof. Like you know that like we watch the game and it just I mean once you see a couple teams dominating with it. Everybody got to catch up. Now everybody's looking for that guy. You know what I'm saying? They already their scouts are already on it, and so um, that that could definitely change. You know, over time. But we'll see, man. And like I say, man, MB could be a guy to pioneer that movement. But we're still waiting on him to get out of his own way because he does have a ton of talent. When you mentioned Hakeem, you know he he was the first player we, we saw like try to use the dream shake and stuff like that and kind of mimic some of those moves and things like that. So um, it kind of got us excited about what MB could be, but he's, he's, he's clearly hit a wall. I don't know what's going on with him. I would, I would take a guess right now, his ball handling, he, he needs to catch up with his, but he needs to embrace the fact that he's going to have to put the ball on the floor as a big man. I don't care. It's 2020. You got to put the ball on the floor, brother. Or, Philadelphia can do the right thing and say, okay, we're going to build around one of you. Okay. Listen, Philly, I'm not trying to split Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid up. I'm really not. But see, you got to pay for the sins of your general manager, who is also a Duke Blue Devil in Elton Grant. There was no need to sign Tobias Harris to that contract, okay? Like, you got too many forwards. That's And then you doubled down and picked up Al Horford. Mind you, really solid citizen, really good basketball player, but that was not what you needed to do. You had J.J. Reddick. You had him. And, by the way, you had Jimmy Butler, you decided on Tobias Harris and Al Horford. Your team would look a lot different if you had Jimmy Butler, J.J. Redick, and maybe go out and get a couple more shooters. I think their whole team would look differently. I think we would look differently at Embiid if he had room on the court. He just doesn't have room. There's no room for him to do what he needs to do. And, yes, does he turn the ball over a little bit? He does, but I think it's because you got people pan- packing the paint and there's no there's nowhere to go. So I understand your thing with him maybe getting better at handling the ball, ball handling and dribbling and, and what have you. I just think they need to make sure they find a unlock the offense by spreading the floor a little bit, by getting a couple guys who can really shoot it and somebody that you have to pay attention to. I For think sure. that's 
you know, just get him down to where he needs to be because I'm not, I'm still at the point where I think Philadelphia is, let's put it this way, on my league pass, I'm still going to get down with Philadelphia next year because they're super entertaining and you just don't know what you're going to see with them. That's crazy. But, like, and I know, like, I didn't mean to cut you off, Vince. I know, um, shout out to my boy, uh, Desmond, who does, he, he's the host of Independent Thought Podcast. We actually, I actually had him on Mud Talk and we had this exact conversation. Um, so if you listen to Mud Talk, man, check out the episode, The State of Sports in 2020. Um, Desmond, who's from Philly, we had a, just a real, you know, uh, upfront conversation, you know what I'm saying, about the Sixers. And he talked about Elton Brand, everything that we just spoke about, how he just changed the team up, you know what I mean, in a way that it just didn't need to be changed. And and like he said, and I'm a second this, I'm all for African-Americans getting the opportunity to be a general manager, right, in the league, because there's not enough of them. We do know that. And it's just sad when we see a guy get a chance and he makes these type of decisions, it makes it harder for the next guy. You know what I mean? If it isn't already hard enough, right, for, for African-American to become a general manager. But Philly, and I'm going to leave it on this. I'm going to leave it on this note. If you needed to know what to do with Tobias Harris, look at Charlotte as an example. All right, I'm going to give you an example, right? Tobias Harris, before he got to Philly, he looked like he had the potential to be a star, right? You thought that, right? But he was really just a role player. Like, that's all he really is. You get what I'm saying? And mentally, that's all he – like, when you watch him play, you're like, that's basically all he looks like he wants to be as a role. Nicholas Batum looked the same way when he was in Portland. Like, mm-hmm. he like, like he could – he was a – I don't know, man, a couple of games away. Like, this dude could be a star if we put him in this situation. No, 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 no. Nicholas Batum is a role player, bro. And we saw that in Charlotte. We overpaid for him, and we got exactly what we paid for. You know what I'm saying? Like, Nicholas Batum is who we paid for, but we paid him like he was a superstar. You get what I'm saying? That's that's Tobias Harris in Philly. He doesn't know if he wants to be a role player or he wants to live up to what they paid him to be. But guess what? He already got the bag now, so he can continue to be who he's always been and who he always will be, and that's just a role player, which is cool. Because his role player bag is is bigger than my bag. <laughs> but I'm just talking about what Philly, like the move that they made. Like Charlotte should have been the example to look at because the Nicholas Batum situation and the Tobias Harris situation are very similar. They both got overpaid. You know what I'm saying? In my opinion. just I'm just a fan. I'm not a GM. But they're, they're, those situations are very similar. I don't know if you ever looked at it that way. But um, if you're listening, just check it out, man. It I. I live in Charlotte, and I think it's very simple. Listen, on that note, QP Sports Exchange is telling me right now, pass the collection plate. Because Coach T just took y'all to church. He's telling y'all the real, real truth. Okay? Tobias Harris is a really good player, and he would be awesome as a third player on a really good team, a team that would have championship aspirations. But if you're looking for that dude to go get you 25 every night, that's not him. Nicholas Batum is a very good comp in the way of not meeting expectations of what he did in Portland and then took to Charlotte. Because 
Tobias Harris was getting buckets for the Clippers. Tobias Harris was getting buckets for Detroit. He was getting buckets. But those are bad teams. And, and here's the thing. The Clippers were on the come up, so he was actually getting hit by other, other people on that team, right? But he showed you exactly who he was this year. No offense to that, because here's the thing. There's a place for a guy to score about 18 points a game and give you, like, seven rebounds and, like, three or four assists and shoot anywhere between 36 to 30, 39% at the three-point line. There is a place in this league for that. Unfortunately, you got to be the third man on the total pole for that to happen. And since Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons haven't figured out who's one, who's two, of course they're not going to be able to figure out who's three. And your skill set is not conducive to what they already have. That was the other thing. That's what we were talking about with um, LaMelo Ball. Fit is going to make all the difference in the world. When you are on the right team, you play better. The concepts work for you because you fit into this construct better. Like if Tobias was in Atlanta with Trey Young, that will work. Agreed. Agreed. It's 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 all about the situation, but. Like I say, Elton Brand, you're learning on the job, brother. Um, shouts out to you because you, regardless of, of how it ends up in Philadelphia, you are um, paving the way for, for future African-American general managers to at least get a chance. So I hope ho- hopefully things, you know, turn around, you know, this year for him. But just initially those moves that he made, they turned out to not work out, you know, especially when the team was one shot away from the finals and then they go to – where where they were at this past season so um it just it you know there's hope for the future but i just hope they give them enough rope and they don't you know give them enough rope to still climb the mountain you know what i'm saying like i i hope that that's what they're doing in philly and they don't just like get rid of them but uh you know it's tough philly philly's a tough city i you know like i said i had a i had a one-on-one conversation with a with a uh a guy from philly who loves his philly sports teams and he just talks about how cutthroat it is you know um in philadelphia so just hopefully, you know, they keep them around. Coach T, I'm going to give another Christmas present out. So, Philadelphia, we've been hard on you, too. The Eagles and whatnot. But if you want to make it all right with one deal, go get Chris Paul. Trade the Tobias Harris contract for Chris Paul. Then you will fix your team. That's That's big. You know I want Chris Paul to be in L.A. You know I want Chris Paul to be with Brian. But, Chris you know, LA too, brother. Wish, wishing on a star, you know, because the reality is, man, and I, look, I'm not going to make this about LeBron. I know this isn't where we're at right now on, on today's episode. <laughs> but the reality is LeBron's a couple more years that he can play at this level. Like, he's already shown that by far he he's the best to ever do it at this stage of his career. Nobody has ever – been 35 and just playing at this level it just doesn't happen we've never seen it this is history in the making so if lebron at this rate you know can get a chris paul we're talking now that they he has a chance to go get number five maybe even number six you know what i mean but that's that's going to be you know based upon like chris paul and how he can hold up and take care of himself but if you know that you got lebron for the next couple years 
that's motivation. Give me the LeBron pan, plan. If I got to sleep in the hyperbaric chamber, I don't care. Like if I got to spend the 1.5 on my body too to get me right, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? If I know, I'm going to get a chance to win a couple rings. But that's neither here nor there. Y'all know I want Chris Paul in L.A. So I'm signing off on that Well, here's the deal with that, Coach. I'll give you a little, little inside the NBA type situation. So I listened to – the Woj pod a couple days ago and it had Rob Polinka on it. So I'm going to give you a little insight West Coast style. Rob Polinka said, listen, if you look at our contracts, we have a ton of flexibility for 2021 at the end of the season. So we'll be in the mix for another star because we want to extend this run for LeBron in eight years more of AD, they will not go after Chris Paul. I, I can guarantee you that. I mean, I know we want it because David Stern, rest in peace, my brother, but I was still salty for that trade that you nixed. But they're talking being flexible financially to go out and get one of the young guns after next year. So if let's say a Jamal Murray becomes disgruntled because he can't get past LeBron and now Steph and uh, Claire back. Maybe he's a candidate to go. Um, and then whoever else will be on that, you know, the, the 2021 or 21-22 pre-agent class or whatever the case may be that everybody's loading up for because everybody wants Giannis and where Giannis is probably going only going to go to like two or three places But that's the situation, is that they will not do something that will kill their financial flexibility for the next year where there's a bumper crop of free agents. For sure. Hey, look, and I know this is not on our list of things to talk about, but I'm going to speak to the young people real quick, Vince. I'm going to make it really, really quick. I don't know if you saw I don't know if you saw on Twitter the rumblings about the next gen 2K which now I'm speaking to all the young people. I'm speaking to my son, my daughter. 2K is it. You know, these kids, they play 2K. Adults play NBA 2K. Um, um, the next gen 2K ratings came out. So like next gen, like so for PlayStation 5 and then the new Xbox console that's coming out, they've released the 2K rankings of each player um, for the for the next gen, uh, you know, systems or whatnot. So Jamal Murray, when you mentioned Jamal Murray, this is why I thought, this is why I felt like I had to say this. Jamal Murray is ranked 87 on the game. Um, That's disrespectful. Yeah, yeah. Like, and look, I'm not a Denver Nugget fan, but dude, if you watch the playoffs and watch that dude get buckets and score like so many different ways, like how is that worth an 87? 2K, come on, man. Is it Ronnie 2K? Is that the dude that's like in control of this stuff? I think. Um, Yeah. There's no way. Matter of fact, Paul George is ranked higher than Jamal Murray. How? How is that possible, man? Like, a yeah, lot of people were upset about uh, Kevin Durant being ranked 95 and, you know, Kyrie being ranked 90. But Jamal was actually getting buckets this year in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we saw it, bro. We yeah, saw this man put up 50 multiple games. Like, man, I don't even know how that stuff works. But I felt like I needed to say something. Just I needed to be the voice of the people real quick, man, on the oh, QP. No. Yo, 
we talking NBA 2K. Listen, y'all didn't expect this. That's right. <laughs> you know what? Up until about up until about five years ago, Coach C, I ain't gonna lie. I used to be real nice on the sticks. You know what I'm saying? I used to be real nice. I think I could get it back because I just think, you know, because you see a lot of basketball, so you know what it is supposed to look like and you know how to get yourself in and out of pick and roll and all that sort of thing. So I think I could pick it up real quick. But I, I kind of let it go because, you know, got things. I got things that I got to do. You know, God put me in this position to do this podcast. So ain't got the time. Ain't got the time, bro. Yeah. Like that's saying with me and Madden, bro. My wife bought me Madden. Yeah. Um, I like I get I've I've gotten Madden every year. It's like a holiday for me. Yeah. And this year, and and this is what I say. Like, shout out to God. Like all glory to God right now. Like thank you for His grace, His mercy. When when you pray for growth in all areas of your life, it's some things that you have to sacrifice. Like that you know that just aren't going to be there anymore. And my wife bought me 2K this, or not 2K, but Madden this year, just like she would normally buy me Madden. And dude, I played it for all of maybe like two or three days. I mm. literally have not played it. And she's like, "Well, I shouldn't even have bought it for you." I'm like, "Babe, it's not that. It's just that I've been praying that God just, you know, I'm just praying for growth in in all kind of different areas of my life that He can use me and." Um, to 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 be a part of you know rebuilding this kingdom and making a difference out here, and if I if I have the time to dedicate ten hours to playing two K, then I'm not doing what God wants me to do right now. I just don't have the time to play ten hours on Madden. Like last year, you know, I was content with that. Right now, I'm not because I know I, I I'm walking in my purpose now, so I really don't have the time. You know, do I miss it? Kind of, yeah, but at the same time, like. I'm excited about what God is doing in my life. And I, you know, if it involves me not playing Madden, I, I'm just, I just ain't got the time. So I feel you on that, bro. We just ain't got the time. Like we used to, <laughs> that's all that is. Yo, I'm going to tell you right now, you know what I don't miss? Uh, and I'll, I'll make this brief and listen, shout out to all those dudes that are really bringing home a bag, making money on Madden, the Twitch videos, the YouTube, all of that. Listen, shout out to you. I love it. The entertainment is fantastic. Your commentary is brilliant. Um, you give us information about like glitches in the game, all that. Love it. The one thing I do not miss about being so engrossed in Madden and NBA 2K Coast T is this. You know, you you start off late, maybe around 9:30 at night, right? Coach, you get your you get your favorite drink, whatever, soda. If you like cherry juice, whatever it is that you like, maybe get your favorite chip, right? Two, right? Like, I'm going to play a couple games and then, you know, let it go. 5.30 in the morning, you finally putting the sticks up. Critical hour. See, yeah, I just can't get like that anymore. I just can't. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, but you know, and like you like you say, man, if that's your purpose, like I, I I'm not here to knock anybody. You know, I just I, I remember when, like I say, playing the game was my thing. Like me and my brothers, we would do it. Um, we would go to the Madden launches where you know you get the game at like 12 midnight, and you know you right. sat out there a couple hours. I think the game store would open at like nine. They'll have food, and it'd be just like a whole party type deal. We'd get the game. You get in the game at 12 midnight. What you think you're going to do? You're going to okay. go home and be up all night, bro. Like, yeah. it was a setup. So, like, you're right, man. It's just um, thank God for growth. But like you say, it's just today's generation where 
you know, like I say, it's a ton of guys making a lot of money off of this, man. They're doing their thing. So shouts out to you. I just know that my purpose is in my voice. Like I, like I, like I want God to use me and my voice, my gift to, to make a difference. And, and that's, we're going to do that on QP sports exchange. We're going to do that on mud talk. I'm going to do that by just talking to the youth that I see on a daily basis. And I'm all about just trying to help the youth, you know what I'm saying? And just build this kingdom up. That's my purpose. You know what I'm saying? So my purpose ain't to, to play the games all day, every day. You know what I mean? So uh, I love it. It was a part of my growing up, you know, up until last year. I just told you, like, that I, I didn't have time for madness. And this has been sitting in there, too, bro. I'm thinking about it right now. Like, dang, dang, man. And you got dust on it. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Man. So, yeah, man. Yeah, it's one of those things where you just had to give it up. It was cool, but you mature and... We're not saying that the, the people out there making the bags doing the NBA 2K are not mature. And we're not saying that the dudes out there real spicy with Madden are, are not mature. What I'm saying is, is that this just stuff that God is calling us to do, and this is one of them. So we'll go ahead and, and, and give you an hour and a half of our time like this and, and chop it up on the sports situation, and we'll let those dudes – do what they do. We got a couple rumors to go over, and then we're gonna get your thoughts on that, and then we're gonna probably move it over to football. But are you ready for the silly season that is the NBA offseason? It's about to get real, real interesting. <laughs> for real. Starting with the draft, for real. Like, because I'm interested to see how that goes, the virtual draft apparently. Maybe it's going to still be virtual. Isn't isn't that what they're planning to do? Have you have you heard anything different? No, it's it, right now virtual. They haven't made any move to. They can't put people together like that. They just can't. I mean, we prayers up to the to the people who have been celebrating the the Lakers championship. Listen, guys, there's nobody more happy. There's nobody who who was filled with joy than I was when. The Lakers got number 17. Nobody. I was so happy for Jeannie Buss. Shout out to the Lakers governor and the and the first female owner that, you know, a governor, I'm sorry, they don't want to be called owners anymore. Uh, first female governor to win an NBA championship, and she was the controlling partner. I was happy for LeBron. I was happy for all about Vanessa Bryant and Kobe and Gigi. We were all happy. But, man, let me tell you something. COVID, yo, there's no cure for that. So that thing right now is still undefeated. So, uh, yeah, I, I kicked it at the crib, you know, masked up, and keep on pushing and did my thing. But we had a real spike when we won the championship out here. So uh, prayers up to everybody who's suffering uh, through the COVID-19. And uh, shout out to the – to the people on the front line, our nurses, our doctors, our people who are the admin people that are, um, you know, getting these people into the beds and things of that nature. Shout out to you guys. Uh, shout out to the people who clean up and all that sort of thing um, at the hospital. So, yeah, man. Um...
So QP Sports Exchange is going to have an outro on this episode. The reason being because it is a two-part episode. And I thought this was a good place to stop and give you guys a breather. But I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Again, shout out to our people on the front lines, the nurses, the doctors, the admin people, um, and everybody else involved. We understand that COVID is just a monster and just the tireless efforts that you guys are putting in. uh, Shout out to every last one of you. So me and Coach T will be back for part two. So shut this one down. Go get a sandwich. Go get a drink. And come back for part two of the remix.